Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, and I'm Chris Reeve, I'm your host, and today I want to talk about reflecting on remote learning. And I know for those of you who've kind of had it with remote learning, this may not be your favorite topic, but I do think there are some good things that we can learn about it. I'm a big proponent of reflecting on classroom practice regularly. Without taking the time to reflect on it, we don't have the opportunity to refine it and improve it and stop doing the things that don't work and start trying things that might. When I set up a classroom in a school, one of the things that we do every day after the students leave is to sit down and talk about what worked and what didn't work. And I suggest doing this for at least a week or two at the beginning of every school year. And this is a procedure that I use in part because I'm consulting and introducing new things. And it's always really interesting to hear that things worked, especially if staff didn't really expect them to. And knowing what didn't work allows us to brainstorm how we can solve it and get rid of the issue. So what can you do to effectively reflect on your practice with remote learning? And I think this is something that is important to do now instead of at the beginning of the year because it's still fresh in your mind. But how do you figure out what things to keep and what things to change? And I've been thinking a lot about this in interaction with members of the Special Educator Academy. And in the academy, we're working on to plan for the coming year. And most of us don't know what next year is going to look like. And we're doing it by reflecting on what has worked while looking forward about how to solve new problems that might get thrown to us as we enter the new year. Consequently, over the next few months, we're doing an IEP goal writing boot camp that will work at writing IEP goals that work for our students, that work for us and for data collection, but also that might work for our families who may end up implementing some of these strategies. I'm also adding workshops on reflecting on remote learning, as well as a study group this summer where we will look at setting up the classroom in light of whatever we know at the time about how school is going to look in the fall. You can find out more about the Special Educator Academy at specialeducatoracademy.com. But for today's episode, I've pulled five questions from our workshop on reflecting on distance learning that I think can be helpful in guiding the next steps in the process of transitioning our students back to school and or continuing with some level of blended or remote learning. So I'm going to talk a little bit about why it's important, why it's important that we do it now. And then I'm going to give you five questions that I think will help you think about what instruction you want to keep, what you want to change, and where the holes are. And finally, I've got a free worksheet for you to use to get you started, and you can find it in the show notes or at the blog post for this episode at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 40. So let's get started. (music) 
So as I've mentioned in several past episodes, like episode 31 on distance learning, our situation for remote learning is not ideal. First of all, everybody is under a great deal of stress from the virus, from the suddenness, from the changes, from the just uncertainty about what's going on. Uh, Families did not choose this type of instruction. So there are families who choose to homeschool their children with an online platform, and that is something that they've committed to. That is not typically the parents who are sending their students to public school. As teachers, we didn't have the opportunity to show students and families how strategies or tools worked before they had to figure it out at home. There were no home visits to help things get set up at home, to have strategies and structure to assist our families. We, Some of us couldn't send home paper or tools for learning, especially when we first got started because of concerns about the coronavirus. And a lot of the time we were learning on the fly. Okay, so on the the off chance that you're not listening to this when I'm recording it, we moved into this situation of remote learning so suddenly with the coronavirus that we were really building the plane as it was flying. We had no strategies to fall back on for this, and we didn't have a lot of time to reflect or even choose what was going to make sense for our students. Many of us learned completely new tech tools that we may not have even heard of before. Some were successful, some were complete disasters. And that's okay, because that's how we figure this out. And we just don't always want to have to figure these things out in the middle of a crisis with no backups. Um, But that is the situation we were in. So we can learn from that. So some of the things that we have learned, I think, from this situation, we've gotten a glimpse quite literally, into the living rooms of some of our students. We got to see something about how they lived, and we got to see how this was working or not working for their families. Additionally, our families have gotten a taste at times of working with their children, and now for many, this was more difficult for them than it is for us in the classroom. But I think they they got a taste of some of the strategies that we might use. We've seen or heard about some of the barriers our students face in transferring what they learn with us to the home environment as well. And when you think about the learning for a lot of our students in special education, we do really have to think about how that generalizes to home. And so I think it's given us some insight to think about how we teach some of these skills. And I'd like to think that one of the things that came out of all of this is a bit more empathy going both ways between educators and families. Now, why is it important to reflect on remote learning now? Well, remote learning, although it may be ending for some of us, some of you are teaching ESY and you may still be doing it remotely, but remote learning may not be completely in our past after this year going into the fall. We may be going in and out of school. Uh, we may be using a tool that can go back and forth. So we may decide there are strategies that we've used in this in this situation that we want to continue to use. If we start back to school and then have to go back to home instruction, we now have an opportunity if our kids do come back into the classroom to get the quote unquote onboarding set up in a way that we didn't before. We can show parents how to use some of the technology. Educators can introduce the tools to the students in the classroom so it's not all new when they see it at home. 
and we can craft a plan to help meet their needs more effectively because essentially we have essentially thrown the spaghetti at the wall and now we know what's stuck. So now we need to think about a more organized approach and more comprehensive instruction. Some other reasons to reflect on remote learning are that there are elements that you've adopted for your remote learning that you might want to include in your classroom. For instance, if you may have figured out a better way to send a newsletter and information home through Seesaw, or you may have found tools that you want to use in your computer or technology center in the classroom. So some classrooms adopted teaching tools that may also be useful in the coming year, more comprehensive tools, both in and out of the classroom. So things like the unique learning system, News to You, or Teach Town are all things, all curriculums that you may find yourself using in the coming year now that you've been introduced to them. So why now? Why can't we wait until next year? You're tired, you're exhausted, and trust me, I get it. But now is when it's fresh in your mind, and I'm willing to bet that if you sat down today to make a list of everything you tried to put in place when we began, you will have forgotten some of the things that you tried that you didn't continue with that you used in the beginning. If you wait until next year, more details will have faded from your memory. And if it just relates to something that didn't work, then that might be okay as long as we remember that it didn't work and we don't try to do it again and keep repeating the same problems. But what if something did work or maybe it didn't work at first until you added something in? Another reason is because now is the time to think for the new year about what you want to put in place if your students are back in the classroom so that they can be successful with remote learning. Some of you will have the same students who will be used to some of the tools that you've used now, but many of you will have new students who you are introducing these tools to. So knowing how you did it that was effective is going to be really useful for them. And now is the time to find tools or strategies that are going to help you fill the holes for skills or elements that you weren't able to address. Things like socialization and data collection, both of which I know are notoriously difficult in this situation. So let's take a simple example, like using boom cards. I know many teachers discovered them. I discovered them. I knew of them, but I didn't know how they worked for the first time due to all of this. And they are really, I think, an awesome tool because they allow data to be collected from the student's performance, among other things. But what if you first started to use them and the families didn't know how to use them at home? Or you had difficulty remembering how to get them access Trust me, I just made a new set of boom cards and I hadn't done it in a month and I kind of forgot how to do it and had to relearn. Maybe you wanted them to use them on Zoom with your students, but you had to look up a tutorial on how to make that happen and then explain it to your students or your families to do it on their part. Wouldn't it be nice to remember what you used and did to make it effective and get it started? Now is the time to write that down because two months from now, it may not as easily come to mind as you might expect. So let's talk about five questions to guide reflection on remote learning, because that's really what I want to leave you with. Overall, I use a process for reflection of brainstorming what worked and what didn't work. 
And that's the beginning of the worksheet that I have for you free that you can get in our free resource library. You can go to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 40, and you'll find a link to it to sign up. And from those two main questions, I can refine my questions to include the five areas that I think are important to address in our situation. Now, my brain is still getting around a lot of this and processing it much like yours is. So I may be back later this summer with more questions that I've thought of. But these are the ones that I think are the most critical that we can gain information from what we have now. So number one, what was successful for the students to access and use? This one focuses just on what your students were able to make use of at home. So for instance, were your students able to or did they participate in Zoom sessions with you or were they no-shows? If they were no-shows, why was that? Was it a lack of technology? Was it a lack of parent support? Or did they not have the skills? If it's a lack of technology or if your students weren't able to access something you were using, obviously the answer is something that has to go to the school or the district level. So they don't have access to the internet or the technology. That becomes a district question. But it's also going to be something that's going to be useful for you to pass on to next year's teacher if the student is leaving you. If it was a problem with the student's ability to attend to the screen, is this something that we could work on if the students come back into the classroom? Because let's face it, screens aren't going anywhere in our society, and they are an effective way for all of us to learn. But they're not often a learning readiness skill that we think about. When was the last time that you searched YouTube to find out how to do something? I'm guessing there are a lot of YouTube searches in this process of distance learning. So attending to a screen and participating in that way really does become a learning readiness skill. And that becomes a skill we want to target for next year. Number two, what strategies were successful or not for families? Uh, this gets with access and ease of use for families. But if your students were no-shows at Zoom, or they weren't participating in Google Classroom, or they weren't doing something with the Boom cards, is it because they needed and didn't have parent support? Now, I've mentioned frequently that this is not an ideal situation, and some families are not equipped at the moment to provide this level of support, and that is an issue that you need to make note of. That may or may not change depending on employment, depending on health, and things like that in the coming year. But if it's just an issue of a family not being able to follow through, where did that issue come from? Is that something that you could be you could address it with more onboarding about the tech and how it works? So did you find that when you sent home videos for your family on how to access the tool or strategy that it was effective? Or was that something that maybe you didn't try, but maybe you could try it next year? Or are there th issues with scheduling the time or keeping up with the different schedules of different children? And in that case, are there strategies that we could share with them to help them organize schedules or tools that you could implement to help them remember when Zoom times are coming? So for instance, could you coordinate Google calendars to send them reminders of when your Zoom sessions are? Or do you want to use Seesaw for homework with families when they're back in the classroom? In that case, it would be really nice to show them how to use it and get them used to it gradually while the students are at school. What feedback have you had from families? Do they need us to slow down introducing new things so that they're not getting everything all at one time? Did they note that they were getting really overwhelmed and just worn out? Can families tell you what they need to make learning 
at home work for them? And then how can you incorporate all of that into your plan? So that's really all of what you're thinking about to try to figure out what strategies do families need to be more successful? Number three, what types of supports did students or families need to structure their instruction at home? For instance, were students able to work independently at home or did families have to keep prompting and reminding them? If that was the case, would it help to introduce independent work systems at home? And if so, then maybe you want to grab my independent work system starter kits from my stores, and I'll put links to them in the show notes, because they include a video about how to set up the materials that are in the kit to do independent work. I designed them for teachers, but they would definitely work well with families. And if you already own them, share that with them. You're more than welcome to share that with the families on your caseloads. Along these same lines, did families need additional help with getting or keeping students motivated or keeping them on task? Did parents report that their child was always having meltdowns at home when they presented work to them to do? They might need more help with structuring the actual work sessions at home. Things that we do naturally in the classroom might not be things that they think about, like using a schedule for work or using reinforcement through a token board. I've created a teaching at home toolkit that's available in the academy and in my stores that includes videos and digital material for using token systems and setting up schedules. Uh, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. There are also a number of free videos available on my YouTube channel that you can grab. I have focused my quick tip Tuesdays on strategies that families can use at home. Or you can make your own videos of how you work with the students effectively at school. And that wasn't something you may have had time to do before we left so quickly. Um, So that families can see what worked for you. It's not a guarantee that it's going to work the same at home, but it might help. And it's something that you might want to do if you have the opportunity to have the students back in the classroom in the fall. Even if we never go back to remote teaching, that's something that might be helpful for our families to work on generalization. Number four, what is missing in skills or areas that you weren't able to address in the remote learning that you were doing? Let's face it, most of us were punting the ball with this time period of remote learning. With limited time to prepare, we were offering temporary instruction. But if this situation continues into the fall, even periodically, we have to develop comprehensive programs that will continue students learning during the school year, whether they are at home or at school. And to do that, we need to look at the skills our students have identified on their IEPs and in the curriculum and see what skills fell through the cracks of our instruction. For some, it might mean brainstorming how to assess progress at home, while for others, it might be figuring out how to teach the skill at home. So for instance, if the child has no siblings living at home and has goals for work and interaction with peers, how can we address that? Now, I don't necessarily have an answer for that. Uh, but it's something that we'll be better off thinking of now rather than trying to make emergency changes at the last minute if we have to go back home. We need to make sure that we can comprehensively meet the needs of our students in the school and out, because even if we never have to do remote again, if our students don't generalize what we have taught at school into the home and community, it's not doing him much good. Do you sense a theme here? And finally, number five, What do you need to focus on to help students be more successful with remote learning in the future? From all of these questions, I think the final question is, what is your plan? Where should you put your focus on professional development 
investigation, and brainstorming to help this student. It's important for the possibility of remote learning as well as for the generalization of skills. Ultimately, we want to teach our children, our students, to learn for themselves. So if we don't have any type of remote learning in the future, what does a student need to learn to be an effective, independent learner from a variety of available tools? And that can then guide our plan for future instruction. So make sure to hop over to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 40 and grab the free worksheet for what's working and what's not in the free resource library. It's part of a larger workbook for a workshop in the academy, but I thought it would be helpful to get you started for everyone. Thank you so much for listening and sharing this time for me. I'd love to know your thoughts about getting back to school in the fall. So if you're an educator, come join us in the free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com and share your thoughts. And if you'd like more information about the Special Educator Academy, check out specialeducatoracademy.com for more info and to start your seven-day free trial. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey, and I hope to see you for our next episode. 